Hello and welcome back to Secrets in Nature season four. It sounds weird. It feels weird to talk in front of a microphone. It feels unnatural. We waited too long. Yeah, it's been a hot minute since we've done this. A smoking hot minute. It's been like, what, three months? Yeah. We suck. <laughs> we recorded this interview that we're about to share. Months ago. In March. Wait, March, right? I have no idea, but it's a good one. Yeah. It was worth the wait. And we have a very exciting season planned. The guests that we have, a couple of them, I didn't even think they would respond to me, but they did. So it's going to be a good season. That's all I have to say. Yeah, some really great guests are coming up. Um, so do you have anything to share? It's been a while since we've done this. Yes. So the first thing I have to say is, well, we've been traveling a little bit. We went to Puerto Rico. And before that, I got to go to Costa Rica, which was magical. But it was also traumatizing because I got the worst sunburn of my entire life while I was there. I literally thought I was going to have to be taken to a Costa Rican hospital. I went back to the hotel. The front desk guy saw me and he was like appalled and he was like ready to take me to the hospital. And I had to like fake it and be like, no, like I'm totally fine. He was like, are you lightheaded? Are you nauseous? I was like, no, fine. I, I literally was lying. I almost passed out out it was awful but anyway through that traumatizing experience I did learn something about skin do you want to hear it sure okay <laughs> um vitamin d we know it we love it the sun blesses us with it but basically vitamin d is a fat soluble vitamin which means it doesn't flush out of your body as quickly as other vitamins that are water soluble so sunburn is basically just the result of a vitamin D overload in your skin. So like a toxic overload. And this might be common knowledge, but it wasn't for me. This is brand new information to me, so I have to share it. But the toxic overload of vitamin D just builds up in your skin and it isn't going anywhere else because it's fat soluble. So it's really hard to filter through. So enter fatty acids. This is really brand new information to me. Um, if your body has enough fatty acids, it's better able to pull the excess amount of vitamin D out of your skin tissue and push it into the bloodstream instead. So if you're supplementing fatty acids, and there's like a few different ones you can supplement, so maybe do your research or talk to a practitioner like Lara, who's been on the podcast. But when you take certain supplements orally, you're assisting the body in getting the vitamin D out of your skin quicker, therefore helping to prevent sunburn fascinating stuff like am i wrong yeah that's really cool i've never heard of that i don't think most people have no it's literally and obviously like i'm not a scientist this is just based on a summary of my own little research sesh that i had so i don't know if i'm dumbing it down too much or wording it wrong but that's like the gist of what i found it's very fascinating to me it is really cool so any pal people out there you should look into that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> or I guess anyone, if you get sunburn easily. Yeah, that was like literally the most traumatizing, worst sunburn I've ever... I think I was like borderline sun poisoning. I didn't blister, but it was just like I woke up and my face was so swollen that my eyes were almost shut. Wow. Yeah, I've never actually gotten swollen from like a bad sunburn. That sounds not fun. Have you ever even really had a that bad of a sunburn ever? I feel like you're naturally darker than I am. Yeah, um, I had one 
when I was in Southeast Asia, the sun's pretty strong there. Oh. But it was just like the back of me. But like it literally hurt to like move the sheets touching me hurt. Was it at the middle of your vacation? Yeah. I mean, it only lasted a couple of days and then it kind of went away. Thank God the sunburn was on the last day for me. I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Even Puerto Rico, like I didn't really get sunburn, but I still like my whole body shed its skin pretty much in like the weeks following. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think it was just like in shock because I just went from like months with no sun and then like I was on an island that happens a lot my I think I just like have skin that sheds easily oh while we're on the topic of skin I absolutely have to say this um I think I've said on the podcast before I originally started going to Lara's holistic shop so she could help me treat my eczema and it was my the eczema on my fingers was severe like it my skin was just peeling away every day like it burns like you wouldn't believe it was awful and social media can be toxic but all I have to say is for every 10 videos that are completely useless there's at least one that I feel like is useful and on my for you page on TikTok the universe blessed me with this video about aloe vera juice and in the comments they were saying like like people were saying oh like this cured my dad's psoriasis and like stuff like that I buy aloe vera juice from Trader Joe's I start drinking like a little bit every night and in one week my skin had a 180 miracle healing like you would not believe so here's the skin tips for you today for our first episode back okay <laughs> yeah fatty acids and aloe vera juice thank you that's all I need in this life I have yet to try the aloe juice but I definitely have to I never remember to look for it when I'm out I was gonna say do like the normal grocery stores sell it I have no idea I only go to Trader Joe's I do <laughs> not go to normal grocery stores if Trader Joe's doesn't have it I just don't consume it no that's not true my boyfriend will go to normal grocery stores I'll ask him to get a couple things for me but I do not go into them because they cause me a lot of stress once you start going to Trader Joe's other grocery stores just seem a lot less pleasant I can't describe it. See, I don't like Trader Joe's because <gasps> I feel like you're like rushed along the entire time. I like to wander through the aisle. Who is rushing you? I wander, baby. I'm wandering in Trader Joe's. Well, the only Trader Joe's I shopped at was when I lived in New York City and it was like the most horrible thing ever. Like, Oh, I like, okay. That sounds like chaos. I like to just like wander around. That's why I like Acme. No one goes to Acme. <laughs> I can just like have the whole place to myself. It's great. Oh, I have a mantra. I want to start saying mantras at the beginning of episodes because I think it'll just set the right vibes. Ooh, let's hear it. My mantra this week is embrace the good, the bad, and the ugly. I love it. Did you come up with it yourself? No. <laughs> I was like heard it from another podcast, but I just really liked it because, you know, we shouldn't just embrace the good. We got to embrace everything. You got to vibe through it. I saw on someone said on TikTok recently that you have to vibe out the obstacles. And that sounds I just need I just need everyone to think about that for a minute. If there's an obstacle and you don't react to it, I know, I know that's hard, but like imagine the power you would have, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like on social media right now, everything's about like, you have like the clean girl aesthetic and that girl that has her whole life together. The 5 a.m. club. Yeah. And so I like this one because it's just saying like, just embrace everything, whether or not you look like a mess. If you are a mess, <laughs> embrace it. Just embrace it all. This girl on TikTok was like, I hate the clean girl aesthetic. I am the hungover Serena Vanderwoodson aesthetic. And she like teases her hair every morning and like goes for that look. <laughs> and it honestly is really cute. But she was like, I'm going for the messy look. I like that. I just have that naturally because my hair's 
kind of a mess all the time unless I do it (laughs) and I don't usually wear makeup and I wear sweats every day for work so I'm used to the messy look well whatever your aesthetic is even if it is the clean girl aesthetic embrace the ugly as well because you can't be clean all the time (laughs) let's be honest oh my god I moved last weekend and my house it literally I mean, as to be expected, but it looks like a tornado hit it. So that is, I think, perfect for me right now because I've had so much anxiety over like making it look good. And it's only been five days. I'm putting way too much pressure on myself to make it look good this fast. But I need that mantra right now to just embrace how it looks right now. I'm just I should just be enjoying the new space, you know? Yeah. Can't be like too upset that it's not aesthetic. Oh my god. I know. I literally was like calling my mom like, my apartment's never gonna look how I want. And she was like, It's been five days. <laughs> like it's not gonna happen overnight. Will you relax? I know. Social media I feel like puts so much pressure on you to make everything look perfect. But no like all those pictures you see on social media, like that person probably cleaned for hours and put everything oh my god, perfectly. I know. Well, and not only that, but I'm like looking on Pinterest of how I like want my apartment to look like what like my like style is and all these like Pinterest photos I'm like oh my god my apartment's never gonna look like this and it's like that is a Pinterest photo yeah that is not like if you walk into someone's house on the street it will not look like that and half those people probably have a lot of money yes okay so I guess we should start talking about the episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's actually a really good interview I just re-listened to it and I was like re-inspired by it you know so we interviewed Sarah. Yes, she is a breathwork specialist. She is a female sexuality specialist. She's a Cancer Moon. Love that. Love a Cancer. Um, and we actually found her because she had a pop up in the Alchemical Sisters shop. Um, if you didn't listen to our interview with the Alchemical Sisters, it's probably my favorite interview we've ever done. Go listen to that. But Sarah had a pop up there where she did aura photography. So we dive into that. Yep. And some people might find meditation difficult. And we talk about how breathwork might be a great tool for you instead of meditation or with meditation. Um, she gave some great advice on how to connect with your intuition and some practices she uses for that. Because I think everybody could use a little connection with their intuition. But with the technology we have today, it can be really difficult. And we also talked about like taking a leap of fate and not really taking or not going down the conventional path, you know, and just doing something new with your life and changing your life completely. Like sometimes what you're doing in that moment might not be for you. And it can be really scary to completely change paths, whether it's a relationship or a career. But her story, I think, is really inspiring. And I think that it'll really resonate with anybody that is thinking about making changes in their life right now, but might be scared. Yes. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't 100% inspired to pick up, quit my job, pack everything I own and move to a different country after interviewing her. Not saying I'm going to do that, but it will leave you feeling inspired to make a change if that is what resonates. Yes. I definitely wanted to be like, all right, what country am I moving to after the interview? Or like what drastic change can I make right now? Honestly, I just love that this interview kind of reinforces the true fact that nothing is permanent and that our lives can literally be anything we make of them. It's so easy to get stuck in societal expectations, to get stuck in your routine, to just get stuck in what has always been expected of you. So I really love that this interview just 
Like she's living proof that you can literally do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want in this life. Exactly. I don't think people really, really get that, you know? Yeah, I think people say that a lot. But when you actually hear stories of people doing that, I think that's when it really hits you. All right. Well, with that, we won't make you wait any longer. It's good to be back. Yes, it is. So let's jump into the interview. Welcome to Secrets in Nature. We are so excited to have you here. And you're a Cancer Moon. So from two Cancer Suns, welcome. Amazing. (laughs) And I know that from her website, to be clear, I don't look up all of our guest birth charts prior to them coming on. Maybe I should start, but I don't. (laughs) That was just from her website that I I saw that. But I wanted (laughs) to say welcome. Thanks. Um, so we originally wanted to connect with you because we just recently interviewed the Alchemical Sisters and we're aware that you do workshops there with your aura photography, which I can't wait to ask about how that works. Um, one of the many topics on the agenda for today. But after reading up on your website, your work involves many other things that we would love to do a deep dive into, including breath work and even dating advice, which I can't wait to get into. Um, but before we do the deep dive, I want you to tell us what led you to where you are now and how you would describe the life path that you're currently on. Yeah. So, I mean, I've lived a few lifetimes in this one, which is pretty great, but basically I, I'm an artist. I went to art school. I sold out. I moved into corporate. I burnt out. I left to travel the world. Uh, I did that. And I was traveling with my main business, which is breathwork. And as I was bopping around, I was just teaching more and more. I ended up landing in Bali. I lived there for the last three years and that's where I started all three of my businesses. And they really took a boom, which was incredible. I moved back to the States last summer and I am just getting myself established here and seeing what businesses are going to stay afloat, how to connect in, in a new city, uh, finding new friends and lovers and everything on the in-between. But basically I am a fearless gal who loves trying out everything is not afraid to fall on my face and mm-hmm. is just seeking out all the joy in life. Oh, you sound awesome. like you lived a really fun life. <laughs> I saw you it's lived it's in been Bali. wild. Yeah. yeah. I saw you lived in Bali. I visited it just for a few days because I was traveling through and I thought it was so beautiful and amazing. I would love to go back. How was that living in Bali? It was great. I mean, I thought I would be there for two weeks and then it turned into three years, which was crazy. Um, It's obviously a very beautiful island. I mean, it's where everyone wants to go for holiday and the the experiences I got to have and the culture I got to soak up and the friends I got to meet uh, have forever changed who I am as an individual. So I'm very grateful that I got to be home. So oh, when so people cool. go on vacation and they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm never coming home. You actually did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I left and I thought I would travel for like three months and then I figured I would just like go back to New York and get another like desk job or whatever. And mm-hmm. thankfully that didn't have to be my story. It got to be so much more rich and fun. And it took yeah. a lot of leaps of faith and being very, very broke at certain times. But I was like, listen, I got to make this work. And where are you originally from? I'm like, originally from upstate New York. Oh, wow. Because you have an English accent, unless I'm imagining it. It it comes through sometimes. Um, I don't know what the deal is, probably because I had like a bunch of British friends when I was living in Bali. And uh, one of my friends who was a therapist has recently said that we start to mirror individuals when we're empathetic and we Mm -hmm. like want to hold space for people. So I think my my accent is kind of like morphed into a million different ways. Yeah, I can kind of hear it in certain words. So you said breath work was the first practice that you um, realized you wanted to bring to others. So how did you get into that? Like, what was the life-changing moment for you? 
For me, I mean, I, I was definitely like your type A plus kind of gal, super focused in on things. Um, I had all these goals I wanted to hit by 30. And when I hit them well before that, I was kind of like, what do I do? And my partner mm-hmm. at the time had told me that I wasn't happy. And I was like, what do you mean? Yes, I am. Like, I've got, I've got all the things, right? Like I had the job, the apartment, the partner, the this, the that, and I still wasn't happy. So uh, based from, you know, being able to hear that with love, I ended up going and working with a life coach named Dana Balicki, who is incredible. And she changed the course of my life. She had suggested that I try breath work at one point and I was not well receptive to it. And then before I knew it, like probably a month or so later, I was in a group class in Brooklyn and it changed my life. Um, I did not know what to expect going into it. I didn't understand the modality. I figured we all breathe naturally. So why would I waste my time? Why would I pay $65 to lay on a floor with a bunch of other strangers? And lo and behold, it it was the magic that I needed. It quieted down my super overactive mind. It got me into my emotional body and I got to feel things in a new way. And I was like, oh my God, I need more of this. We recently did like this short little breath work. Um, from this podcast we were listening to and it was like really good I think it was only five minutes right and we got we we held our breath for a minute and a half which I've never done before and I was like that's insane from just five minutes of breath work so I would love to do like an in-person like longer session I think that's yeah and like see what your body is capable of yeah it's pretty magical. And I mean, obviously COVID has changed how I get to, to lead, which sucks, but uh, I lead every Sunday online, which is really fun. So we do like a 20 minute session for like the reset to balance you out before the week. And then I also see in-person clients here in Philly. And then hopefully as the world starts to open back up, we can do big group sessions, but it's just rolling with the punches, see, see what's happening. So when you like the dating advice part of your um, work, does breath work have anything to do with that? Is, is it like healing trauma through breath, breath work or is it more of like therapy? Like, how would you describe the dating advice? I mean, they're, they, I mean, they can be the same, they can be a part of one another or they can be totally separate. Most people that come to me for like dating and sexuality advice, uh, don't understand how their breath actually is interconnected to everything that we do. So like the basis of my work is bringing in balance across the whole board. And if you're disconnected from your emotional body, you're not going to be able to be present in your dating life anyways. So it's like, uh, I, I don't really push that too hard on the early on parts when I'm working with clients and mm-hmm. that, and it's just like, all right, cool. Like we'll, we'll hit, we'll hit the pain points and then we'll start to, you know, dive in a little bit deeper and start to use different modalities. So people can start to understand of like getting back into their own bodies and understanding things a little bit better. Yeah. So give me an example of like a success story through something like that. Like what is something that you might think is totally unrelated to your breath that just incorporating breath work or like getting that emotional connection with your body, like could fix, like what's yeah. an example of that? I mean, I, I always fall back on one of my favorite clients. Who's a, a close personal friend of mine now that I met in Bali. And when I started working with her, uh, she had come out and said like, she was married, had two kids, wasn't really sure what the direction she wanted to take in her life. Uh, felt a little bit lost, kind of like she had lost her voice and, it was heartbreaking to hear. Cause like I could see her in a totally different light and we worked together for probably about six months. And by the end of our six months together, like her relationship had changed with her partner. She had gained control over like her daughters and had decided that they were going to actually leave Bali. Cause one of them was acting up. Uh, and then also like she started a whole clothing line and was successful. And it was just so cool to like watch somebody like step into their own power and 
have them not know that like the breath could do any of that, but she was open and receptive to like whatever direction it was going to take. And like on our last session in Bali, we both were just crying at like her intake Uh, form being like, mm -hmm. you're a totally different person. Like it is just such like a beautiful thing to witness. So how do you think that, like, what is the connection to you? So when I incorporate a breathwork practice and I develop a new relationship with my body that I've never had before, how does that manifest in your life? I mean, you're your own healer, right? So I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of individuals out there who try to like, you know, say that you're, you're where you're at because of them. And that's not my thing. My whole, my whole purpose is to bring people back home to themselves. And everything is just a moment of remembering of who you are. What's your power? What does this look like? And, and then just guiding you there. So it's, been in my practice to just be in study of being able to, you know, collectively hold space and to listen. And I'm not a problem solver. I'm not here to push you in any direction. Like I just guide you with different breath techniques and different like movement techniques that get you into your own body. So like, it's less of like neck up kind of healing and more of like a full body kind of experience. So Mm. you can actually start to take charge over your life again. And we all have limiting beliefs and, you know, old ideas that we have from our past. And I'm a big proponent of therapy and getting into the nooks and crannies with that. But I was working Uh, I had a discussion with someone in Bali who was a trauma therapist and he was like, I'd be remiss to say that I could do everyone's healing, you know, just in talk therapy, like we need somatic healing. So there's something to be said when you're bringing these things up. And if you, if you're not in therapy, say you talk about things with your friends, like you're going to be pulling it from your subconscious into your consciousness. And then what do you do with that information? And the thing is, is when we're getting into breath work or any other somatic practice, which is just you getting into your body is we've got all of this stored trauma in there. It's stuck in our fascia and the way that we need to work work with it isn't really clear. Nobody really talks about it. So when you start to do this practice, I always say like, after one session, you're going to feel the difference. And like, like you said, Rachel, like you had five minutes of it and you felt something totally different. So could you imagine like doing a full session of like an hour and really getting into those nooks and crannies in a way Mm -hmm. that you never have? Is there like different techniques for different things that you recommend? Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm a breathwork facilitator and then I also lead teacher training. So when I have people go through the trainings, I bring them through roughly about 20 different breath techniques, ranging from things that will help with anxiety, sleep, depression, upset tummies, um, like anything across the board. Basically, anytime we start to really connect in with our breath, it can start to shift our mental states, which is pretty cool. And you did describe on your website that breathwork was like clearing out the sludge in your brain, which I love. It's like all this stuff that you don't even know is there. And it was like released during that first breathwork practice for you. Yeah, it was really wild. I mean, I just didn't, I didn't have any preconceived notions around it. I was just kind of like, we'll see what happens. And if it, if it works great, if it doesn't, like I'm a Mm -hmm. seeker and I really do believe it's in the seeking that we find. So breathwork is in everyone's modality but it, it might be yours. I always tell people like, try, think, try everything twice. Like the first time you're still going to be a skeptic. You're going to have judgment around you. are mm-hmm. like, what the heck is this? But then the second time you're going to have a different experience, like in your mind, body, soul, and spirit. So it's like, all right, then, then check in on it and see what you see, how you're vibing mm-hmm. with it. Oh, I love that so much. Cause like people love to be like, oh, I'll try anything once. And that's like yeah. such a common phrase, but it's like mm-hmm. trying it once might not do the same for you as it would if you did it a second time. I love exactly. that. Exactly. And I think exactly. being open to it also helps. Like, if you don't think it's going to work, it might not. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think it was going to work. I didn't know what I was getting into. Right. So Mm -hmm. like when I was laying down, there was a woman who was crying next to me and I was like, 
Jesus, she should pull it together. And then I was like, man, Sarah, soften up. And I was like, should I help her? Like, what do I do? And like, I wasn't in my own body. I wasn't in my own experience. So it was really mm-hmm. hard for me. And then I was like, listen, I paid a lot of money to lay on this floor. So somebody else can handle it. Um, but then <laughs> I was like, I was like, cool. But then like, I found myself being jealous of her experience. And I realized like I had a lot of resistance in my body. So I just fell into the breath pattern. And then before I knew it, I was on my own like wild ride. And I was like, oh shit. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. So please describe that to me. Like, what is it like? like, okay, take me there. I'm in my first breathwork practice, like an extensive one, not just a five minute one from a podcast. And when you're developing that mind body connection and like emotions come through, like, what is that like? And, and how does that even happen? I mean, everyone's different, right? So everyone's experience is going to be different. I always tell people you're never gonna have two of the same experiences. I haven't throughout the hundreds of sessions that I've done. Um, but basically we're, we live in our minds all the time. We think we can think our way out of everything. We can be in this logical mindset, but the, the body is also super wise. And that's why I love about Eastern medicine is it really just gets into the body. It's less of the logical side of things. And it's more, you know, getting into that. So when you start to breathe in a rhythmic way, you're taking in more oxygen into the body than it's used to. So it's going to start to play with, you know, your your pineal gland, it's going to kick off different hormones and endorphins and they're going to shoot throughout your body. So it may feel like a tingling sensation. Different parts of your body may start to feel like stagnant or tight. Uh, and like whatever that is, it's basically, that's how the body's starting to speak to you. But the whole purpose of breath work, if you're going to do an active breath work, like experience, it's going to be to have an emotional release. And that will look like joy, anger, sadness, whatever it is. And I always tell people like, we're not problem solving in the session. Like you're just there to feel. And I think so many of us don't know how to just sit with our emotions. We try to manipulate them or be like, Oh, well, it's not okay to feel anger. So I shouldn't. So I'm going to like push that up to the side. It's like, nah, like anger is just as valid as joy. But when you're living your day-to-day life, there might not necessarily be the time for that. But when you're in a breathwork session, that's what you're there for. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Scream your lungs out. Go for it. Oh, you want to laugh maniacally? Yes. Get into it. Like feel everything to the maximum capacity because we're always just so put together. And I think that's exhausting where it's like, no, no, no. Like we're fine. We're fine. It's fine. Everything's okay. It's like, no, I think everything has not been okay, especially over the last two years. So when you can start to release some of that trauma, that stress, the anxiety, you can then start to lit, like start to lead a more well-rounded and balanced life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there really is no place for emotions and like our corporate capitalistic society, men and women. Like, I know it's like men are kind of raised where it's like, well, you're a man, don't cry. But like women too, like if you're a woman crying in the workplace, it's like, she's a mess. She can't lead people. Like there's really no place for emotion anywhere. Yeah. 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 It's such a shame. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just don't even realize how many emotions you have held in until something happens that just makes it all come out at once. So I can see how like breath work could really help you release it in like a natural way. Cause like, I feel like normally you just hold everything in. And emotions are what make humans humans. Like that's part Mm -hmm. of the human experience. So totally. I love the idea of clearing out the sludge in your brain. I think that especially just like as women, the breath work part of meditation. Cause I also read on your website that like, you're not like big on meditation unless there's breath work involved. So I do want to talk about that because as women, it's connecting more with your body rather than just being in your mind, which would be like the more masculine side of it. So I think that would be a great segue to get into like the fact that you're a female sexuality specialist, which I can't wait to dive into. But tell me how um, breath work has helped you in meditation compared to just sitting still in your mind. 
Yeah, I tried to do traditional seated meditation for years. Like I dated a yogi. I tried to meditate with monks, like you name it. I tried it and it just wasn't hitting for me. And I thought that there's something wrong with me. I was like, yeah, like all successful people meditate, they say, you know, and I was just like, well, mm-hmm. what the heck? Like, what am I doing wrong? How do I, how do I change this? And when I started doing breath work, I was like, oh, like this is an active form of meditation. And like, similar to yoga, active form of meditation, connecting in with your breath, saying, you know, you know, super tight in on yourself. And, and for me, it's like, when I'm doing that, like, I can't think. And for me, if I'm going to sit down and do traditional seated meditation, if it's not a guided thing, I'm going to just like start making to-do lists in my head. And then I'm totally not Mm -hmm. in the moment. Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. everything starts to get a little bit choppy. So for me, it's like, I, I think it's great. And I think a lot of people have done breath work and then they find themselves more comfortable in a seated meditation practice. For me, I can sit for 10 minutes now and that's fine. Um, But also like I spend copious amounts of time alone, just kind of kicking it. So like that's for me is like that downtime. But I think not a lot of people carve out time for themselves in their day. And I think traditional seated meditation, breath work, whatever it is, is so beneficial for the mind body connection and also being able to just like slow everything down for a minute. I feel that the like a million thoughts racing through your head when you're trying to meditate And like breath work, you're actively doing something. So I think it just, there's something for you to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your brain can't focus on like making a to-do list. And also when you're doing like a rhythmic breath pattern, like it's, it's It's like short circuits. It's like, oh shoot. Like I can't do that. And then you're like, all right, cool. Here we are in this moment present. Yeah. And I think like that's the whole point of meditation is just being here now, you know, taking in everything that's going around. And I mean, even in traditional seated meditation, like thoughts are going to come in, even with like the best meditators out there. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's natural. Like we're all humans, but it's how, how do we treat ourselves after that? And I think, you know, just given my past and the way that like I treated myself from, you know, my, all of my twenties, it was like, oh, if I'm constantly, you know, in low self-worth, then when I get quiet, the brain is going to get chatty and it's going to get messy. And I'm not Mm -hmm. in the mood for that. (laughs) When you started developing this mind-body connection through breathwork, how did that start to show up in like your day-to-day life? Like how did building a relationship with your body affect other things? Like maybe your period, maybe your relationship with like a partner, like how did that just benefit the rest of your life? Yeah, I think when I started getting into this, it it was really clear that I had been living a life that I didn't necessarily want. I was like trying to do the American dream. And I always joke, my best friend said to me when we were traveling the world, we were laying outside of the Coliseum. And uh, he was like, babe, you're a wizard. Like you can't be anything else but a wizard. And I was like, shoot, you're right. He was like, this is the most alive I'd seen you in a long time. And it was because I'd, I'd thrown out the ideas of what I thought I needed to be doing to be perceived as successful or good enough, or, you know, everything going back into that self-worth. So once I started down this journey, I ended up leaving my partner that I was with for five years. I left my job. I left America. Like everything started to shift really quickly because I realized I I had to live my life in the way that I wanted to. And that didn't necessarily mean that I needed others to understand that, but I couldn't do myself that disservice any longer of living a life that wasn't, you know, abundantly filled with joy and adventure. So it led me to the point of where I felt secure enough to jump off that and be like, all right, cool, here we go. Like, let's see what's going to happen. And, and it was awesome, you know, and it afforded me a a life beyond my wildest dreams that I couldn't have ever imagined. And, and also like that comes with a lot of other downsides too, of like then learning, okay, cool. So you've been struggling with anxiety for the last 12 years. What does that look like? How can you start to manage that? And I just had a better grip on reality once I started living a more authentic life. Do you think you would have come to that real realization that you weren't happy in your current circumstances if you didn't try something like breath work no, or do you th- No, definitely not. Really? Like had I not done the work with Dana and started doing breath work 
not a chance in hell. Like I honestly thought that I was okay. Like I thought that I was joyful. I thought that everything was fine. I mean, from the outside, like everything looked good. And, Mm -hmm. and like, so also part of my story is that I I got sober when I was 22. So like I went from a really chaotic lifestyle for about six years. Then I got sober. Then I was like the most boring, sane individual for the next eight (laughs) years. And then, you know, I took the leap of faith again. So like, I've had a lot of differences of like the pendulum swinging every which way, but I think definitely now it's like more in the middle than it ever has been, even though it may not appear like that for other people, it, it feels really like calm and true for me. And I, no, like I, I was definitely of the, the mindset, like I needed to get married. I needed to potentially have children. I needed to continue to climb the corporate ladder. Like where was the most security going to be for me and what did people expect from me? And that was the role that I played and God, it was just boring. Mm. <laughs> so like you would say breath work helped with your confidence and self-worth. Oh, definitely. I was just on with a a trainee of mine and we were having a chat and she was just like, you come across like so confident all of the time. And I was like, yo, I was not always like that. I did not have as much ease and comfort in my body with my voice, any of that. Like if you had met me five years ago, you would have met a very different individual. And for like, now I'm grateful that I'm comfortable in my skin, but that comes from, you know, 15 years of being terribly uncomfortable, not knowing what to do with it. And I'm just grateful that like, I fell into the arms of giants that could guide me towards feeling more complete and, and not doing the work for me, but constantly reminding me that like, I have to do that. Like it's going to come from within. I was going to say this question for later on, but I think it's a good time to ask it now. What I really loved about the bio on your website was the part where you said to the reader, if you find yourself thinking, I desire something different, know that I've been there. And I think that spoke to me so much because like the more I learn the more people we interview through this podcast, the more I realize like there's more to the world than what meets the eye, what we've been taught growing up. The more I'm also thinking to myself, like maybe I desire something different. And what I mean by that is just really diving into the things that aren't the norm and are are alternative forms of health and wellness and spirituality than what I was raised with. And the more I immerse myself in that world, the more I realize it's like really what I'm craving. So I want to talk about how to like navigate that for anyone else that might be in the same boat as me, like how to adapt new beliefs and new practices and do some reprogramming in a society that feels like it's completely on a different track than where you want to be. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a couple of guys yesterday about this. And like, we were all thinking like, when did we decide that we had to live, you know, this blueprint life? Like, where does that come from? Mm -hmm. And like, all three of us had very different backgrounds from our childhood to, you know, corporate, all of the things were so wildly different, but we all had fallen into this idea that we had to live our life in a very systematic way. And I just found it really interesting because I was like, right, like, wait, why? what, why? (laughs) And, Mm. and why don't we celebrate, you know, like taking the road less traveled. And, and for me, it was like, you know, having that leap of faith and going into it and being like, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know. And this is what I told myself when I was traveling uh, throughout Europe, I was like, if this doesn't work, I can go back and get another job. Like Mm -hmm. that's it. So if you come down to it and you think about like, well, what does safety and security look and feel like to you? And, And if that means like you're, you're in your corporate gig or whatever it is that you're doing with your partner or whatever, it may be, and you are content, then perfect. Don't change anything about that. I'm not here to, you know, shit on anyone's life experience. If that's what, you know, makes their soul blaze for me, it wasn't enough. So I had to take a step back and think, what did I want? 
what did that look like? And, and then take the action steps to get to that. So I think there's a lot of talk of like manifestation in the wellness world, which drives me up a wall because people just think you can think about something that it's going to happen. But realistically, it's like, no, like you have to think and act as if, and then take the actions alongside with it. So you can get to that point. So for me, mm-hmm. it looked like realized, like I traveled, um, I went around Iceland, I drove all of Iceland with my best friend. And while we were there, I was like, I need to see more. I need to see more of the world. And, and I knew that the day I got back to my test job, uh, that I was going to leave. And I was seeing someone that I was madly in love with and we were having dinner. And I looked at him and I was like, babe, do you think I could leave and travel the world? And, and he was like, yeah, of course. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. Like I got to take this leap of faith. And so I, I quit my job six months later. I left my apartment that I had lived in for 10 years. Uh, I left everything that I knew and I'd never been more petrified, but also like I knew that I had to, and I knew if I didn't do it, then I was never going to do it. So I had the luxury of being, I think, what was I 30? Um, and just taking that leap of faith and seeing what was going to unfold and, and what did I crave from this life? And then just fearlessly stepping into it, knowing that like, I could fall on my face. Like I could be broke and homeless and stuck somewhere in the world, but the, the fear of staying the same and not finding joy was greater than my fear of potentially being homeless in Turkey. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. I've always figured it out. And, and that was just the thing that pushed me forward. I didn't ever think I was going to move into the realm of being a, a breathwork facilitator and, or a photographer and a female sexuality specialist. Like that, that was not on the docket. Like I went to university for photography. Like I didn't ever see myself having more of like a public persona and, and here I am. So I think it just goes to show like we, we, we shun ourselves, we doubt ourselves left and right. And when we allow ourselves to kind of expand and take up space and be seen, greatness can only follow that. And it's okay. I agree with that. I've also been realizing that like everyone's journey is different and different timelines. Cause I think social media sometimes makes you feel like everyone's like doing stuff super quick. And if you're not, you're failing but like everyone's journey to figure out what they want to do with their their lives is completely different so I'm trying to like remind myself that when I feel like maybe I'm behind and I'm like I'm not behind I'm just no on my path (laughs) yeah there's no guidebook for life Mm -hmm. is the other thing right like there is no right way to do anything and when we compare and despair left and right but like so I mean I'm 35 so most of my friends are getting married and having babies and I'm single as shit so it's like (laughs) all right cool I can look at that and be like well I'm not doing those things so I'm not I'm not okay but like for me I decided I, I, I wanted a different path and if I want those things, I can have those things. And also like, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I have those things and I want more, you can have more, like there's no limit here. And I think that's something that a lot of us are are kind of told. And especially like when I was leaving my life, everyone was like, why would you throw this out? Why would you, you know, put all of your hard work and, and put it in the dumpster? And I was like, because I don't want it anymore. And like Mm -hmm. that, that's fine. And somebody else can have that dream and they can chase it, but it's not working for me. So I think it's important to check in with like your own intuition and your guide and be like, all right, what, what do I want? Is this working? If it's not, mm-hmm. what needs to change? And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to like leave your job and do all these drastic things. Like I did. I I'm an extremist. I know this about me, but like, I probably could have gone on an extended vacation and felt just as fulfilled. But for me, it was like, nah, I knew I had to do something radically different. So I'm not like the proponent of saying like, throw everything out, but like throw out what's not working. 
and be really clear with yourself. And, and I dare you to be honest. That is the other thing is like, when I sat back and looked at it and I was like, I think I'm okay. Like, I don't think it's as bad as maybe I think it is. And then I was like, oh no, like I'm in an unfulfilled relationship. I'm constantly crying at my desk at my job. Nobody respects me there. I'm at, you know, odds with my parents. I'm, I'm in a friendship circle that does not fulfill me. And it's all surface level conversations. And I just, I, I crave something different. And I knew that I could get into that if I wanted to, but it was going to require a leap of faith. Yeah. It's so easy to like, think that you're fine where you're at. Like, I feel like I question myself all the time. I'll be like, Oh, I don't like this. And then I'll be like, well, actually it's not that bad. And it's, yeah, yeah it happens <laughs> all the time. What made you, since you've been to so many places in the world, what made you decide to stay in Bali for so long? I had no idea, babe. Like I didn't know I was going to stay in Bali. I got there. Somebody offered me to lead a breathwork group within my first couple of weeks. And I did it. And then somebody asked me, how'd you do this? You don't have a work visa. And I was like, shoot, you're right. Oops. <laughs> uh, and so I, I said, I'll apply for a work visa. If I get it, I'll stay. And if I don't, then I'll, I'll go on to Australia and then South America or whatever. I and love that. Yeah, I was like, I was open for whatever. And the work visas are kind of challenging to get. I got approved and they're for six months. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll live here for six months. And then, so every six months I had to assess, was I happy here? Was it filling my cup up? Did I enjoy it? Was it somewhere I wanted to stay? Cause like being 10,000 miles away from your home country is really challenging. And being that far away from your loved ones is hard. Uh, but Bali is just really this like kind of epicenter of other individuals who were thinking along the same wavelength as I was at that time. So it was soul fulfilling for me. And I was like, all right. I guess we'll just, we'll stay. And then the pandemic hit and like, I didn't have a home to go back to. So that meant that I had to stay put. And thankfully like my businesses stayed afloat, but like, it was another hard decision that I had to make. And I'm very grateful that Bali got to be it, but like never in my wildest dreams, I think I was going to live there. Oh yeah. You were there like during the whole pandemic. That's crazy. Yeah. It was, was wild. Like, was tourism like really low there or were people? Oh yeah. I know everyone left. We closed our borders, um, in April of 2020. So the international airport was donezo and there was no visas that you could get on arrival. So it was only people that had like the really expensive visas that could stay. And I would say I probably lost 90% of my friend group. They all went home and they all, th- they were like, we'll be back in a couple of months. And I was like, it's not going to be a couple of months. Yeah. And, and it, it was hard, you know, and like, it's a tourist based Island. So it's struggling in- incredibly. It's horrible. You know, watching all the locals not be able to make money and, you know, pay for things is absolutely heart wrenching. So there's, there's a lot that, you know, that's been negatively impacted from this pandemic and they weren't necessarily taken out by COVID. Um, but from, you know, tourism dropping so much, like people were barely scraping by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just in Costa Rica and they said the same thing, like how hard they were hit just from people not visiting. Oh, I was going to ask your um, businesses in, in um, Bali, were they mostly like tourists that came through and like, like found you online or was it like locals? Uh, definitely not locals. So the, the price disparance, disparate disparity. I don't know what the word is. The price differences. Uh, yeah. Disparity. <laughs> thank you. Um, that happens there is, is really vast. So unfortunately a lot of things are priced out for locals. Um, right. they're usually like establishments will have a price that is more affordable, but definitely a tourist based thing. I hosted a group breathwork class every Friday in my village and we had about 50 people in there every week, which was crazy and so fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And were you a lot of your friends? um, Because you said a lot of your friends went home. Were they American? Um, All over the world all over yeah. like yeah I think there there's like less Americans in Bali just because it's so far um, but uh, a lot of like Australians New Zealand UK Dubai 
like South Africa, gosh, so many. <laughs> it was funny, like at my going away brunch, I was, I looked around, I was like, man, there's so many different accents going on here. Like it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd um, be awesome to meet like so many people from all different countries. It was great. It's so weird being here now and like only hearing American <laughs> accents. And I'm like, yeah. I, I was at the museum today and there was a docent that was uh, British. And I was like, <laughs> hi. I was like, this is so soothing. <laughs> oh my God. All the American accents probably like nails on a chalkboard. I mean, it <laughs> is, it is something special. That's for sure. Yeah. For especially Philly sure. accents. Yeah. Oh my it's God. Yeah. Um, you are a female sexuality specialist. Um, is that the title? Did I get that right? Yes. Yes, you okay. did. Um, so I'm very excited to talk about this because it's definitely like a little bit out of our comfort zone. Like sexuality isn't really a place we've really ever gone to on this podcast. And we totally don't have to like dive in super deep. But I do think it's an important thing to address because female sexuality still in 2022 is a topic that can be like uncomfortable to talk about. It can still be so stigmatized. And I mean, if we don't talk about it here, I feel like we're perpetuating the stigma. So I want you to tell us like what that means, what that work looks like and how you got there. Yeah. So, I mean, when I was in Bali, there was like a million free chats going on all the time. And I went to uh, like an open chat that a friend of mine was hosting where she was trying to destigmatize talking about sexually transmitted diseases. And, and she was like, come and support. And I was like, all right, cool. So I went. And uh, it was great to just hear people talk about their experiences and to speak very freely about it. And definitely in America, I know like there's a lot of shame that goes around if you have an STD or an STI. And it's just like, it's so ridiculous. Like we, we talk ridiculous. about sex all the time about like how we should be having it and blah, blah, blah. But like nobody talks about pleasure or taking care of themselves or how to have conversations, you know, around this. Like if you are testing positive for something like what what's the right thing to be doing and how to have a communication about it so uh it was great to be there and then this woman walked in her name is kiki marie she's yoni licious on instagram and uh, she's my sexuality teacher and also my best friend uh she changed the game for me while i was there a woman asked her if she was still doing yoni massages which is basically an internal and external massage of your vagina and i was like what is this oh i am in and so i like booked in with her and and it was an incredible experience as someone who has a lot of sexual assault in my past and just a, a large disconnect from my own sexual body and pleasure. It was incredible because when you're in that, what you're looking for is p- pleasure, pressure, pain, and numbness. And it was baffling to me to see, you know, the amount of trauma that I was holding on in my yoni, um, the amount of different sensations that were going on. And uh, it was very clear to me, like, of course I can't receive pleasure and partnered pleasure. Like, this is very clear to me. So from that moment on, I was just like really dedicated into diving into that and taking a look at what's going on here. Uh, she's an incredible teacher and is just so wonderful. So eventually she conned me into doing her training and I was like, okay, fine. And it's just been so cool to see like how all of these things unfold. And also for me, I had faked orgasms until I was 30 and I just thought that was normal. And for me, I was like, oh, it's not okay, cool. How do I change this? What does that look like? And once I started being more open and free with my own experiences, more and more women were coming up to me, sharing the same kinds of things. And I was like, okay, I've apparently been given the gift to talk about really hard things in this life. So I might as well dive into this. So that has been like my soul's mission along with Kiki to just talk about these kinds of things, talk about pleasure and and getting into it and starting to understand your body more and, you know, differentiating the difference between orgasmic pleasure and just pleasure in your body and celebrating every inch of it. And so we host a lot of online workshops together. We recently hosted breathgasm for vulva havers and breathgasm for penis havers, uh, where we teach people how to breathe pleasure into their body and you can breathe yourself 
yourself into an orgasmic state, which is really cool. Uh, so it's been a, a fun, deep dive into that, which is of course, like very confronting also, you know, like I was raised in America where we don't talk about these things, you know? So I was like, ah, what do we do? And she's just like, so very free with everything. I was like, okay, party on, like, let, let's have this happen. And it's, it's been a wild ride. It's the latest, the latest of my three businesses. So it's been cool to just dive into this, but I have a lot of one-on-one clients that we, they come and we get to work together and I work in like succession sets of, you know, getting them into their bodies. And obviously I'm going to do a lot of breath work with that, but just the, the disconnect that happens there is so crazy and how we, we don't talk about our pleasure or our yonis or whatever you choose to call it, or, um, about your sexual experiences. Like I I'm here for every single second of it. Yeah. I love that. You said like, Oh, I was clearly given the gift to talk about the hard things. Therefore I have to, like, I love that. Yeah. Cause like someone's got to do it. <laughs> Right. So here I am loud and proud with all of this. Mm -hmm. I feel like I only just recently, maybe in the last year or two, started like hearing about this kind of stuff through podcasts. But before that, like, I don't even think I ever heard the word Yoni before, like a couple (laughs) years ago. So it's really cool to hear like women talking about it because I don't really talk about it in my like real life. So it's nice to have like online people talk about it. Yeah. Kristen and I host Kiki. Sorry. Kiki's also goes by Kristen. Um, and we hosted big Kunta last year where it was this incredible, just group of women or people that identified as women, uh, where we got to talk about all those things and we had everyone share, like, what do they call their Yoni or their pussy, their, their, I call my, my pussy palace. And it was just so (laughs) fun to like have a bit of a laugh and like, not make this so serious and not make it something that needs to be hidden. And we just went into like so many nooks and crannies about, you know, like the, the archetypes behind all the chakras and how can we work with them? And and what does it look like to really own your own sexuality? And what are your stigmas around it? What do you think when somebody brings up something kinky or from like the BDSM world, do you judge it? Do you shun them? Like, is your mind and your heart open for different experiences and just seeing like, where do we go in that realm? And at the end, I think it was a six week container. And our last week we did a Yoni viewing circle where we all showed our Yonis on zoom, which was crazy. And the most vulnerable thing that I have ever done in my life, I was petrified and Kiki had done it a zillion times. So she was like, bam, here we are. And I was like, oh my God, here we go. But then also like to see, see what was happening in the other people that were on that call. And the fact that most of them had never ever seen another Yoni, I'm pansexual. So I date everyone. Um, and I was like, oh, right. Like, I forget, like, if you think about it, like, dudes just show their dicks all the time, you know, in the locker room or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. I remember I like growing up, like changing there. I was like, I was like, hiding my body in different ways and, and ashamed of it. So like, then we were all there and everyone had like a different remark on like, oh no, I didn't shave or my inner labia is bigger than my outer labia or like all of these things. And we were like, now nah, like every single bit of it is beautiful. Like all of them, they're, they're wonderful and unique and lovely. And like, if anyone is ever, you know, lucky enough between your legs, like they should be honoring and worshiping you. That's it. And if they're not got to go, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And honest, honoring and worshiping yourself too is like 90% of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's incredible to be like that vulnerable. Like, I don't think I'm at that point right now that I could do that, but yeah. say that. And like, I, I felt that way too. But then like when you're in a sisterhood and like, that's another thing that I've realized as I've stepped into this work is like, I, I've always been like a guy's girl. Right. So like making female friendships wasn't necessarily easy for me. And I was like, Oh no. And Kiki was the first woman that I've ever had in my life that I felt so supported, safe, 
like there was never any competition with us. Like the fact that she trains all of these individuals to also be in this realm. And is just like, the more the merrier. Like, I was like, oh my God, because like in the breathwork world, world, there's so much gatekeeping and so much like, oh no, no, no. Like you can't be more successful than me. And so I just really learned like what a true sisterhood looked like with her. And then like the 50 humans that were in big Kunta, like we all ended up just bonding so much and having a different experience together. And I was like, Oh, right. So it's like when, when we're together, when we start opening up and being vulnerable and sharing as a, a collective, there's so much strength behind it where you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I, I can do anything. Yeah. yeah. I can see Plus that. The more people mm-hmm. that are talking about it and the more people that are like, this isn't weird, this is normal for me. And then like, we're sharing that with our friends. We're sharing that with our kids if we have them one day. And it's like, that is how, you get out of like, oh, how did the world end up like this? Oh, it's because we're all like keeping up with it. And it's like, that's how you get out of that. That's how you change that. That's how you like surround yourself with people that like will make a different reality for you. Yeah. And like, the thing is, is like, we can do so much more than we're aware of. I I think we put a lot of limits on ourselves and there's so many different glass ceilings that we place there. And Mm -hmm. it's like, we can do so much more and we can do so much more in the sisterhood with somebody else, right? Like when you just have somebody else to lean on. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of just like a group of women in a room together. And it's like, we're leaving it all out here. Like nothing is, nothing is off the table. Nothing is going to be weird or uncomfortable. Like, I love the idea of that. That sounds that like gets me excited just to think about being in that room, like, and have everyone hyping each other up. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's just so special and it was, it was nothing that I'd ever experienced, you know, before living on that tropical island. Like I, I had never seen that kind of support, care and love. And now I'm like, man, like I need to bring this everywhere I go. Yeah. So, oh, I meant to ask you this earlier. So like, what made you want to come here to South Jersey? I don't know. I'm in <laughs> Philly. I don't know why I'm here. Um, I thought like I went through a really traumatic breakup, which is why I left Bali. And I thought I would be back in New York and then I would shoot off to like Mexico or Portugal or something. And my friend who I love more than life, she's a local Philly artist. Her name is Kaylee Goldsworthy. She's phenomenal. Uh, was like, come and visit. And I was like, okay. Cause we had really cultivated a friendship over the pandemic via zoom. And so I came down and like the whole time I was here, she was like, move to Philly. You're going to move to Philly. And I was like, I'm not moving to Philly, but like, maybe I could move to Philly. And like, I just kept enjoying every little inch of it. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then the house that I'm living in right now, my friends own they're in their Colorado house. And I was like, cool. Can I live in this one? And they're like, yeah, definitely. So they've been so gracious in letting me stay here week by week. Um, I just signed a lease that I'll, I'll move into in June, but I was like, okay, like everything has just been unfolding in front of me really perfectly. And I was was intuitively traveling when I left America the first time. So when I came back, like I always let my intuition guide me. It felt like home. It felt really good. I conned my best friend to also move down here. So uh, he's going to live on the fourth floor. I'll be on the third floor. It's going to be magical. And it's just like great to, to have roots back in America for a moment. First of all, I just want to say, I love how every time you like mention one of your friends, you give them not only a shout out, but you're like, here's what they do. They're amazing. Follow them on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, this is how we all get by, right? Like people are always like, oh, what's your marketing like? And I'm like, word of mouth. And like, as an entrepreneur, as a solo female entrepreneur, it's hard. And so when you have like your other mates that are doing incredible things, it's like, no, 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 like lean on them, do great things. And and by that, we all start to win. And like, there's just so many blocks that you hit when you're not working in a corporate job where it's like, Mm -hmm. nah, like people need to hear about you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful to see how like supportive you are and like all your friends. 
Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the same thing back. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I keep the people that are similar vibes to me and like, they lift me up all the time. And like, when I came here for that one weekend, Kaylee, we were at moon and arrow and she was like, Oh, like Sarah just moved from Bali. Like she does all these things. Like you should do workshop with her. You should do this. And I was like, girl, tone it down. <laughs> and then like, because she did that, I got my first pop-up here in December. We sold out in 10 minutes. And then from that, I've got, I've gained so many more followers and I have my own solo practice here. And I was like, okay, like, cool. So for sure, I will shout out everyone. (laughs) Amazing. I love it. And you said you let your intuition guide you, like when it comes to everything, like where to live next. So would you think you, your relationship with your intuition developed more when you started with the breath work, started with the becoming more in tune with your sexuality? Like the intuition just, I feel like has to develop through those practices. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've always been pretty dialed into it. Have I always listened to it? No. Uh, But now it's like very clear, like when I don't listen to it, I suffer. So when like I got back to New York, New York didn't feel like home anymore. I was like, shoot, like, what do I do? And I was like, I guess Mexico, cause it's like affordable and there'll be tourism, blah, blah, blah. But like everything, my body said no. And I was like, okay, so it's a no. And so it meant I just had to like sit in quiet contemplation, figuring out, all right, well, like, where's the next move? And like, I think when you sit back, like I, I always say like when in doubt, do nothing uh, because we can't make decisions out of chaos. Like I very easily could have just like ended up in an apartment in New York and be like, it's, it's good enough, right? It's good enough. But like, I'm tired of the good enough. Like I, I want to be thriving. And when I came and visited Philly, it felt great. And when the opportunity to live here happened, I was like, okay, this feels right too. So I was like, we'll see how it's going to unfold. And time and time again, I'm, I'm safe and taken care of. And all I have to do is follow the path in front of me. Mm-hmm. hard to listen to your intuition sometimes it I'm is. like is this anxiety or- well it's hard to differentiate like it's hard to be yeah. like is this my intuition is this anxiety is this a belief that I have like it's hard it's hard to. I mean I've either. got a really simple exercise that you can figure out then so uh Ooh, one of the first <laughs> one of the first exercises that it was ever given to me by one of my teachers was like figuring out what's your yes and what's your no. Um, so you can like stand up nice and tall, keep your feet like right underneath your hips, hips underneath your shoulders. Uh, as, as long as you're on like a stable ground, you can close down your eyes and just stay connected into your breath. And when I say that, I mean like five to 10 big full belly breaths. And then you can start to ask yourself simple questions. So like, if it was me doing this, I would be like, okay, is my name Sarah? And then I would say like, which way did my body sway? What did it feel like in my body? I'd ask more questions. Okay. Is your birthday March 10th? Are you a Pisces? Are you from Syracuse, New York? Like all these things that I know are the answers to yes. And then I would go from there and I'd be like, okay, cool. Is my name Micah? And like, I can feel my body right now. Like my stomach going, like, no, uh, like, am I supposed to be a corporate boss bitch? No. Uh, like, did I ever travel to Switzerland? I have not. So my body would say no. So like just giving yourself time and space to figure out what are your yeses and what are your no's? And then a practice that one of my teachers gave me was, uh, I, I always overcommit to everything. So she was like, okay, next time somebody asks you, if you can do something, you have to say, I don't know, let me get back to you. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And she was like, this, this is the practice. And so I've already done, I already knew what my yes and what my no were in my body. But when I give myself time to actually tap into it, then it would be clear. So like, I do that with everything. So when I get, you know, a request to do a podcast, which I get them all the time, it's like, all right, like, let me see in the body where, where is it sitting? And if it's a yes, then it's a yes. And if it's a no, there's no excuse attached onto it. It's just simply a no. Uh, but like starting to understand what are the sensations in your body? Again, understanding that your logical mind is really powerful, but so is your body and just getting into that and seeing how do you want to work with it? I'm glad your body said yes to our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. Um, we'll have so to yeah. definitely try that. 
Yeah, no, I love it. Like what are, what do my yeses feel like? And what do my no's feel like? Mm-hmm. I really like that. I'll keep that in mind. I also um, see like, which way does your body start to sway? Like mine goes forward when it's a yes, it goes back when it's a no, yours may go from side to side. Like just, like just checking in to like, yeah, just checking <laughs> in to see like what wants to come up and what, what mm-hmm. is the body saying and, and understanding that like, it takes a while to understand the language of the body, right? Like I didn't learn mm-hmm. Spanish overnight. So it's like taking some time to start to understand that, but being open-minded enough to being like, can I trust this? And the answer should be yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know you have to wrap up really soon. And if we get through this whole interview and I don't ask you once about aura photography, oh, I'm yeah. going to be like, what the heck? <laughs> um, so the Alchemical Sisters did give us like a very brief, like, cause I was like, how the heck does that even work? Um, and they said it involves like putting your hands somewhere. Why don't I, I just want you to describe to us how it works. Yeah. So aura photography has been around for like 50 years. The camera that I work with was designed in the 1970s by a man named Guy Coggins. Uh, what it is, is a big box camera. The only thing that's changed is the camera on the inside. So it's currently an Instax camera to be here with the present times. Uh, but it's you, there are two little blue boxes and you place your hands on them. They're little, there's hand sensors on them. And this is what takes in your biomagnetic energy field and feeds it into the camera. It's a double exposure experience. So it's one exposure for you and a second exposure for your energy, which then gets overlaid on the image. It shoots out a Polaroid and then we've got your magic. Uh, if you, you know, if you come to my pop-up or my open studio hours, we do a little Oracle card reading and we wait for your image to develop because it takes around four to five minutes. And then I reveal your vibrant energy. And then from there I give a full reading and I always joke, I'm like, I speak in color, which is really fun. So you said it's your biomagnetic energy field. Yeah. So it's like your, your auric field, like what's around us. Like I can't see them. You can train yourself to see auras. That seems like a lot of work. And I just bought a camera (laughs) instead. Um, and there's not many of us practicing in the world. It is a super like finicky camera. I think there's probably about 15 of us practicing professionally, um, that at least I know. Uh, so there, there's not many. So if you ever see it, wherever you are, hop on it. It's a totally fun and wild ride. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so sad that, um, it's sold out for the Alchemical Sisters on Saturday. Like by the time oh. I signed up, I tried to sign up. But next time, because I live like super I mean, close. If you like, want to come by, you can grab one of the last ones if you want. Are you sure? Yeah, I, I, I ended it early <laughs> and they were like, but we're open for another hour. And I was like, we'll see what happens. But now there's plenty that we can make that happen for sure. Okay, I'll stop by then. I live like five okay. minutes from there. So I really wanted to try it. Amazing, amazing. I'll send you my contact info so we can okay, have a little bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to ask you this though, because, uh, Lisa told us the example of her aura reading and she said, Oh, like I totally thought my aura would be bright and colorful. I'd have one of the best auras in the room. And then because of her aura photo, she realized how like depleted she was and tired and like how she had been like overworking herself and not giving herself the love and attention she deserved. So, and we did, we briefly talked about auras on our podcast before, and Rachel had a quote from sad guru that I thought was super interesting about how like, oh, like auras are just the outermost layer of our bodies and they're Mm -hmm. not like they change all the time and they're not the most important thing. They're not the core of who you are. But then Lisa's story really made me think like, oh no, like, but it can tell you this about like your current state. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about like examples of that, that you've seen, like just communicating to people, like issues that they might not have seen. Yeah. I mean, my, so there's people's auras can change really rapidly for whatever reason. Mine has been the same for the last two years. Um, and so for me, I'm, I'm like a heavy red and violet and depending on the density of the colors, it'll tell me a lot about what's going on with me. So I can always see like when I'm super depleted or like when I'm like really fiery and like totally in my power, uh, my, my best friend, Micah, uh, changes all the time. 
like he's so crazy. <laughs> uh, like he's, he's a much higher register and like things are always changing for him. So he's just leaning into it. And like, I can just tell you different things about yourself and I can be like, all right, cool. Like maybe you need to give more to yourself. Maybe this needs to happen. What's going on in your hopes and dreams. Maybe this is ready to be communicated. If there's a blockage on the body, I can see that and start to communicate it to the person. And, um, I mean, I'm not here to mess with anyone's psyches. I'm, I'm just here to like shine a little bit of a light on something that they don't know about themselves. And I'm not a future seer, but I'm just like, all right, cool. This is what's up. And sometimes there's spirits in the, in the photos. So I can point those out. Mm. We can have conversations around that, which is really fun and special. Are they spirits that are like attached to the person or just, uh, like- no, they're just in the auric field. Where's, oh man. I oh my God. I wish we had more time. Cause now I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, it'll just appear like, it'll be like a blob in there. It'll be like a light orb or something like that. So I, I, I never know what they are. I just simply say, if you choose to believe in spirits, these two are hanging out in here. You can commune with them mm-hmm. how you'd like. Oh my God. That's so oh. interesting. It's interesting that like a spirit would show up like biomagnetic Lee. Is that the word? Yeah. I mean, the, the energy can't be created nor destroyed. So mm-hmm. right. our, our loved ones, our people, our pets or whatever, if you choose to believe in spirit guides, like they're always with us. Yeah. yeah. Can and I, I guess flash we... pick it up? Right. I think. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's like definitely ghost hunters out there that like have <laughs> special stuff that can find them, which is always crazy. All right. I know you have to run. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to sit with us and chat. Please tell everyone where they can find you, Instagram, in the world's pop-ups. Tell us. Yeah, you can check out my website, which is sarasil.com, S-A-R-A-S-I-L.com. And then I'm Sarah Silverstone on Instagram and Inner Light Aura on Instagram. All right. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, gals. Um, and maybe we can chat again in the future. Yeah, yeah sounds good. I love this. Amazing. I feel like you definitely have that me. gift of teaching and helping Talking people. Talking about what's difficult. Yeah. Because you you. explained it all very well. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs)